Welcome to Date Night Podcast, a tabletop role-playing game podcast set in the homebrew world of Volunaya. Let's explore a whole new world together. Welcome to Date Night. This is our special one-shot, which is GM'd, game mommed by me, Mike. I normally play Darren Hammerstone, but today I am God. <laughs> this is the session zero slash introduction for Amy's character, Marina Zemferscu. Today is a work day like any other. You rose from your bed, you got dressed, and began seeing to your tasks. In the back of your mind, you absolutely wonder if Lord Callum is awake yet. It's not one of his days to be away on business, so he should be sleeping in. So you set off towards your daily tasks, and while you are dusting a bookshelf in his study, you accidentally catch your duster on one of the books. Big red leather tome that you've seen many times, but never really gave much thought to. The way your duster hits it, it kind of knocks it out of place a little bit, and you reach up to put it back, and when you do, it slides in further than you expected it to, and you hear a small before the bookshelf begins to swing open. You think in the back of your head, a secret room. I've, I've never seen this before. And you know you shouldn't, but you do peek your head in. Make a perception check for me. That will be 12. 12. Well, it's, there's really no lighting in there right now. But if you want to, yeah. you can go and open up the drapes in the study to let more light in. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do that? Yes, I would like to do that. Okay. So you pull the drapes open and the study is bathed in the nice, beautiful, warm morning light. So you turn back to the secret room. And you go in behind the bookcase and you, you kind of shut it behind yourself. Not all the way, though, because you still want some light to get yes. in. And as you look around, this is not typical for, for what you've seen in, in Lord Callum's uh, home. It's a, it's a big circular room, about 20 feet in any direction. Um, bookshelves, kind of like the one that you were dusting. and They're made of dark woods and more t- dusty tomes stacked neatly on them. You can see there's there's never been any maid in here, Mm-mm. ever. Um, and I've been here for as long as I can, or for a very long time. Yeah. There's a large bronze or brass chair that lies on the floor next to where the, the opening that you came in. Looks like somebody had stood up too quickly and knocked the chair over. And in the middle of the room is a brass table, or well, really more like an altar. And then all of the warmth is sucked out of your body because there she lays on the cold bronze slab the body of your daughter she has a, a puncture wound directly in her sternum just below where you'd imagine her breastplate to end it looks old but you don't see any blood on the altar her body is gray and pale her cheeks sunken in almost like she was totally drained of blood but again you don't see any in the area around you rush to her, of course, like any mother would. Alina! Shaking her, even though I know she's not there. Alina! There's, no! There's no tears. You're still in shock. You know there will be, but your mind still hasn't registered the full weight of what you're saying, of what you're seeing yet. You knew she hadn't been writing lately. You assumed that she was busy with uh, Colonel Fitzsimmons' estate. But to find her here... Oh, gods. Uh, Make another perception check for me. Eleven. Eleven. That beats the DC. 
despite your shock, it's pretty obvious that there's something else that's out of place in this room. There's about 14 to 16 inch dagger floating above her body with the point pointed down directly at her. It's a very finely crafted with a bright straight blade and silver inlaid bronze handle. The cross guard comes to two sharp points at 90 degree angles to the handle and the whole thing has a very surgical look to it. In fact, the blade is thin, almost needle in appearance. It gently floats up and down, not seeming threatening, despite the obvious implications of what it's been used for. What do you do? I look and see that it is hanging directly over her, and I'm assuming the injury? Correct. I just swing at it to try and knock it out of the air from over her. As your fingers touch the blade, reality rips away from you. Your daughter's no longer there. The stones in the floor beneath you crumble and give way, and you are sucked through the floor. But you get the sense in the chaos that's going on around you that you're not falling. You're being pulled through one reality into the other. An intense sense of vertigo washes over you, and you feel ill. Uh, as, a, as a commoner serving woman, you've never had any experience like this. You have no experience with magic or any of those things. Uh, make a constitution check for me, please. Well, I'm rolling bad today. That's a seven. Okay. As soon as you poof through the end of the portal, you double over and, and there goes breakfast all over this stone floor. It seems appropriate considering what's just happened. Correct. As you look up from losing your breakfast, you see a room very similar to the one that you got pulled out of, but... Comparing the two in your mind, this one would be reality compared with the shades of gray that you left. Everything is more vivid. The bronze altar in the center of the room is finely polished with sparkling metal. The woods are deep, well-polished, very lustrous. And the chair that was knocked over is no longer knocked over. Now it's sitting at the altar and there's a man in it. He's probably elven. You know, the ears give as much away. And he's dressed in a fine three-piece suit with a jacket and tuxedo-like coat, intricately embroidered. And his hair is jet black and shiny, as is his goatee and kind of handlebar-esque mustache. And he has these gold wire glasses with dark circle lenses obscuring his eyes to the point that, you know, if he didn't know any better, he couldn't even tell that he had any. And I'm assuming Marina does not recognize him. Marina does not recognize him. She has never seen this man before in her life. He smiles coyly. Who, who are you? Ah, yes, finally. My harbinger of fate has finally arrived. I'm sorry. I know, that, that southern <laughs> accent is wonderful. <laughs> Make another perception check for me. Thirteen. Okay, that's good enough. You notice that the dagger is no longer in your hand. Um, it's back to being above the altar from where you tried to bat it away from. There's no body of your daughter, but the dagger is still there, bobbing gently up and down. Where's my daughter? We'll, uh, we'll get to that. But you poor thing, you have no idea what's going on, do you? Of course I do not. I've never been in that room. Uh, where I are we? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some very bad people have done you a great disservice. And I'm also sorry to say 
that those former wretches are associates of mine, former associates and contractors, in fact. Who are they? Well, for now, let's just say they've broken their contract. But my manners are missing. You may call me the benefactor. That's the name everybody uses for me anyway. I'm sort of a facilitator for those that are willing to go the extra mile to make their wills manifest. My deals are never easy, but trust me, they are worth the price I ask. As long as you're willing to uphold your end. Is there no way to get my daughter back? I'm afraid that's a a type of magic that even I don't have access to, darling. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about hate. I look at you and I see hate. The potential for it, at least. You're still far too much in shock to feel it. But don't worry, darling, it'll come. Now, it'll come at you. Like never, like a hate you've never felt before. A hate to end all things. Now that's good. I like hate. I can work with hate. Countless hatreds built this shrine you're looking at, and all that hate is exactly the reason I'd like to hire you as well. Tell me, how'd you like revenge on the people that killed your daughter? I would like it very much. That's good to hear. I have no names. Holds up his hands, and in a poof of flame, you see a folded piece of parchment. I also have the power to give you your vengeance. Now, are you willing to make a deal for this here slip of paper and this power? What deal is it? Well, let's talk about that. There's just a few details that I'd like to go over first. The best deals are forged in blood and require a mutual good faith. Luckily, we can kill two birds with one stone. He sweeps his arm out, and from a pocket in his coat float two empty vials. They float above the altar to opposite ends, uh, to opposite sides of the dagger sitting in the table between you and the benefactor. Is one blue and one red? No. <laughs> Not yet. He reaches out his hand, and he takes the dagger. Now, if we are going to make a deal... It's going to have to be forged in blood. He takes a dagger and he slices the tip of his finger, kind of reaches over and he squeezes his finger and out into one of the vials comes a thick, dark red crimson liquid. It smokes. You can, even from the distance that you are, you can smell it. It doesn't smell like blood. This smells like sulfur. It is uh, disgusting. I would say you are not touch. human, but we already know that. You are not of my world. <laughs> That's right, Sherry. <laughs> now... The deal that I propose to you is simple. You give me a little bit of your blood, I give you a little bit of mine. If you refuse your end of the bargain, uh, let's just say what I do with your blood will not be pleasant. He also he waves his hand towards the, the rear of the room and you see ten vials of blood stacked up next to each other. Some of them still look relatively normal from what little experience you've had with blood. Mm-hmm. Some of them are clearly congealed. Some of them are black or purple and, and just look disgusting. That there is the blood of those who have already broken their contract with me. And as you can see, they are not doing too well. You cross me, you ain't going to do too well either, darling. 
I'll give you the names. And if you drink my blood, you'll have the power to take them down. And after they are dead? After they are dead, that is the end of our bargain. You are not trying to topple nations. You are not trying to do anything over the top. You are a hunter. This is your prey. When you have finished hunting that prey, I have no further need for you. And our deal will be concluded. I'll do it. That's what I like to hear. So, he flips the dagger around, hands it to you, hilt first. She takes it. Go ahead, darling. Cuts the tip of her finger. Squeezes it over the other vial. Now that's just perfect right there. You go ahead and hang on to that dagger. He opens his other coat, or the other uh, side of his coat, your blood slowly floats over and sits right into the pocket on the inside of his coat. His goatee comes up on the sides in a, in a just devious, feral smile. As I said before, you're going to have to drink my blood. and uh, Drink your blood? Yes, ma'am, I'm afraid. But don't worry too much. It's going to hurt, but it's only going to hurt for a time. And after you're done, you'll have that power I'm talking about. Marina looks back over where the altar lies empty. This is for you, Alina. Again, as you bring the vial closer, the smell hits you again. Forge hot iron, sulfur, and something else even more hateful is in that aroma that drifts past you. And as you drain it down, your entire throat is instantly on fire. You feel it burn all the way down to your belly, worse than any whiskey you've ever tried in your whole life. And then it spreads outward, infusing into every bone and muscle, scorching every fiber in you. You double over in pain once again, only this time you don't lose your lunch. You just sit there, burning. But on the floor, you feel something else, another presence inside of you. And it too burns as the elixir suffuses into every cell, fundamentally changing the person that you are. The pain hammers into your mind, threatens to overtake you. The benefactor stands from his chair and walks over to you, pressing that slip of paper into your hand. The names, darling, you'll be needing them. Like I said, keep that dagger. Use it on the, those that you're hunting, and you'll send them straight to me when they die. And know that their deaths will be anything but peaceful. Happy hunting. Make a constitution check for me. Yeah, you black out. Yep. You black right out. Uh, you wake up hours later. You are no longer in that pocket dimension, but back in the secret room in Lord Callum's estate. Your little girl still lays there on the altar, dead. The grief that you felt at first is still there, but it's muted. Everything feels muted. No emotions really spring up out of you like you'd almost expect them to. You feel numb, disconnected from this reality until hate comes. That, there is no numbness 
it wells up inside you and you cry, not out of grief, but scalding hot tears of pure rage. In one hand, you have the list that the benefactor gave you, and in the other, the dagger. You read the list. Granum Fitzsimmons. Ventrine Elucidaire. Yer Summer Willow. Nekul Volstibing. Fodosi Shersriath. Vorsiar Hitrin. Tin Vis. Conrad Vis. Prince Hedron Mephalton. Prince. Callum. Not Callum, too. Callum. As you finish. The benefactor's voice presses into the back of your mind. Ten loads for reaping, darling. And as that voice fades, you hear two others arguing. You look up. The bookcase door to the room is open. You're sure that you closed it almost all the way when you came in. You peer past the open door to see Callum standing right there, arguing with another human man. He's bald with a handlebar mustache and a military uniform, very high rank. He's the first to notice you, and when Callum turns, all the blood drains from his face. Marina, what are you doing here? I... But the rest of his words choke off in his throat. The man in the military uniform steps forward. So this is the serving girl who found found her way into your chamber? You're a fool, Montrose, for more than one reason. My dear, the man continues, I am Colonel Fitzsimmons, and I'm going to need that dagger. He walks up to you, his hand lightly resting on a what you think is a ceremonial saber at his side. His other hand rests, palm up in front of you. The look in his eyes is one of him not even considering you a threat. And then you feel it, the hate wells up, this compulsion pounding in the back of your head. Kill. 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 Not fully knowing what she's doing, she feels that fire go into her hand, into the dagger she's holding, and she stabs it into his chest. And as you shove the blade into his chest, he bursts aflame. His eyes go wide. And a shock barely registers over those green orbs before you feel the blood draining out of his corpse. Now, Fitzsimmons is not a small man. He's easily six foot, eats pretty well for his rank. But within just a moment, his cheeks are hollow, just like your daughter's. He looks 50, 60 pounds lighter within the space of just a few seconds. He has been completely drained of blood. You have no idea where any of it's gone. But within only a moment, he's pale and falling away from you. The dagger slips out of his chest, clean, as if it had never been used to just kill a man right in front of you. His flaming body breathes out his last death rattle, and he crashes against the drapes, setting them on fire as well. Callum just stares at you. Marina, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We, th- we thought it was the only way. Marina just tries to stab at him too. And as she tries, by tears. The, f- the fire 
that it start, that got started on Fitzsimmons actually spreads fast, a lot faster than you would have expected. Maybe it's the the old books in here. Maybe it's the expertly woven drapes where they're just old and dusty and ready to go. But the fire shoots up quickly, and those very same drapes fall off the wall between you and Montrose. No. He saw you try to stab him, and he instinctively recoils away from you. All he keeps saying is just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he turns, and he, and he starts to run away. Now that fire's spreading quick. The flaming tapestry and draperies are going up like straw in a dry barn. You start to hear screams from the other house staff. Is that the only window in the room? Uh, actually, the room is is got several entrances and exits. You have your pick. Okay. Uh, you just can't go that way that Callum's going. I'll go the other way then. Okay. You look for Callum later. You do not find him. He's just gone. The rest of the house staff is okay. Nobody else got hurt. Weeks later, you awaken on a cold stone slab. For a few moments, you are not yourself. You drift in a half dream. Everything's fine. No comprehension of who you are, what you've done, what happened to... And then it all comes flooding in. The pain is always first and the worst thing in the morning. The brief moments of joy and ignorance you have are flooded away by the pain that fills you up and hollows you out like acid. Tears have stained your cheeks for nearly a month now since she was taken from you. And once the pain has scoured your insides bloody, the hate comes in. It oozes out of every wound like bile. You recite their names again. Your solemn promise to yourself, your patron, and your little girl. Recite your names again, please. I think I need to reorganize them since I think she will save Callum for last. Sounds good. Vantrine Elucider, Yera Samar Willow, Nekel Valstabin, Fedosi Shezriath, Vorsier Hetrin, Tenre Vis, Conrad Vis, Hedren Mafalan III, and Callum. You will all pay for Alina. You will all die. Nine nobles planning, darling, the voice reminds you from the back of your head. You've tracked the Vis brothers as they were common occurrences in the household that you flew away from. You know them by sight, you know them by name. And you also know that after Colonel Fitzsimmons died, there was some sort of big shakeup in the, uh, the realm of Kyron, where you're from. The Vies brothers fled north. And you followed them all the way to the mining city of Eichnir. Of where? Eichnir. Eichnir. I-K-N-I-R. Near Eich. Yes, Sorry. near Eich. You track them to a brothel, the Silver Tongue. And with a little bit of detective work, you found out who their regular girl is. Much too young to be doing this kind of work. But you slip her some coin, and you let yourself into the room that she should have gone into. And there before you, Conrad Weiss sitting on a chair facing away from you. As he hears you come in, he stands up, looks you over, and just disgust washes over his face. 
No, this one's too old. Where's my regular girl? This man is distended. Like he looks, he's not just fat. He looks like a walking half-rotted grub given human form. Again, he just stands there staring at you. Who are you? Anyone else in the room or just him? No. Actually, make a perception check for me. Haha! 19 plus. I lost it again. There it is, two. 21. There is a small uh, privy room in, uh, in, in the room, and you do just barely hear some, some uh, noise coming from it. So. My name is Marina Zamfarescu. You killed my daughter. You will pay. What? I, I, I never did. As you stab into this overgrown, disgusting grub, once again, the dagger starts to do its work. And especially for a man of his size, you are surprised at how quickly he becomes thin, frail, and hollow. And once again, he's on fire. And he falls backwards, uh, toppling over the couch that he was just a moment sitting on. It makes some noise. And Mm -hmm. that's when you hear the privy room slam open. What are you? Brother, what? Who are you? Conrad. Snarl. No, wait, that was Conrad. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ha, I'm not the only one getting the names mixed up. And we have different pronunciations. I am a trash GM right here. Is it Vice or Vice? Vice. Vice. This is Tynray. You just killed Conrad. This is Tynray. Tynray. Okay. Who are you? What have you done to my brother? I'll kill you. Roll initiative, please. What did you roll? A two. Okay. So uh, Tynray's definitely going first. No way. Really? He pulls out a rapier at his side and attempts to stab you with it. He rolled a six plus two, eight. No. No. Tynray misses terribly. He's a noble. He's a master of coin. He is not a military man and clearly unskilled with the weapons that he has on him. Great. Using the blood right on my dagger, I will stab at him again. With a 16. That definitely hits. He is not wearing armor. He has a DC of 10. Or an AC of 10, rather. Five plus four. Nine. Five plus four, okay. He, I mean, that's a pretty severe wound. And he staggers back, and you notice at this point, he hisses at you. You notice his eyes are not normal. His neck is dried out and scaly in appearance as he recoils back from the wound you inflicted in him. And you see, as as he recoils and the dagger pulls away, a long stream of blood follows back to the tip of the dagger, and it vanishes. Tynray, once again, not being a, a military man, turns to run. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you'd like your attack of opportunity? Yes. Okay. I don't hit him. Okay. What was it altogether? Uh, that would be a nine. Yep. No, it just barely misses. So Tynray's going to try to run away. And I'm presuming you follow? Yes. Okay. He, he tried to dash, but he's only got a 25-foot movement speed. So Slowpoke. Slowpoke, yeah. Again, the life of luxury. 
I will try to catch up to him again and okay. stab him again in the back this time. All right. Go Even ahead. if I'm throwing myself at him. Go ahead and roll for me. Not one. Not one. Let's put that one away. Tynray keeps moving a little bit further. By now, you've definitely caught the attention of the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people running everywhere, girls, clients. Uh, bouncers are aware of your presence. And uh, one of them runs into the room that you were in and starts trying to put the fire out. This place isn't as moldy and ready to go up as, as Lord Callum's house was. but So one of the bouncers is going to take a swing at you. And he rolled a three. That's going to miss. Yes, it is. All right. I'm presuming you're still following uh, Tynray? Leave me! And then I run after Tynray. Okay. He's going to get an fool. attack of opportunity on you real quick. He rolled another three. Look at that right there. I rolled a 20 against Tynray. Tynray, I'm pretty sure, because he's only got two HP left, Tynray's going down. Well, considering I roll a 1d4 plus 4 plus d6. Yeah, he's... Very, yeah. very dead. Yes. So Tynray falls down. The last of his blood from that thin little rail frame he has disappears into your dagger. And you hear in the back of your head, seven thorns for thinning, darling. At this point, you're trying to escape. So we are going to have a quick little skill challenge. You're trying to get away from the um, uh, uh, bouncers and now the city guard. So, roll high. It was going to be easier. What am I rolling? You're just rolling dexterity. Okay, dex, I can do that. Okay. 17. Okay, you make your first dex check. You are out of the upper rooms, down towards the main lobby. You see the, the madame, all the other girls in the cheap area in the front of the, of, of the, the silver tongue, and you can see the door. But that's where the guards are. Mm-hmm. Make another uh, check for me, please. Fifteen. Fifteen. Not enough. Big arms of iron wrap around you from behind, and a club comes out of nowhere, smacking you upside the head, and you black out. Weeks later. (sighs) Weeks later. You've been in darkness for three weeks now. Every day is the same. You wake up in darkness. You recite your names to yourself. You fall asleep in darkness. Meals come. You'd know that if it was just about the food, you'd be fine. You're fed. You're given water. They empty your privy bucket every day. It's the cold that's starting to get to you. It's cold here. They took you deep into the mine and threw you in a cell. You can hear sounds of clanging and picks and rocks. You hear screams from some of the other prisoners, but you quickly figure out that the screams do absolutely nothing. That voice in the back of your head. Darling, why are you still here? There is no chance to escape yet. Would you like one? You still have seven installments are left on your payment plan. I might have to start charging interest. If you leave me here, I cannot fulfill your contract. Let me out. Give me a way out. All right, now, simmer down. Listen for a moment. Your time is coming for another bout of blood and brilliance. They are going to give you a task. See it through, and you'll have another shot for one of your lovely little loan items. 
Don't I always bring you the best things, my dear? The voice fades, but you can still feel it watching. Ma'am, it's time to go. A guard's voice says from behind you. Lord Greycastle would like a word. Hello, this is Date Night, the tabletop role-playing podcast with me, the Grease Wizard. If you want to learn more about the show, ways to listen, how to get bonus content, and where you can see art and maps, check out our website at d8nightpodcast.com. You can find ways to support the show there, like becoming a premium listener, buying us a pizza for game night, perhaps, or sponsoring an episode and having your own message read on the show. Do you want this voice saying thank you to your Auntie Carla for the Christmas stockings? Then go ahead and support us. Click the sponsor tab to find out more on our website. As always, we appreciate your support in any way or form. You know, subscribing, sharing, sponsoring, or listening. Now, let's get back to my story. I mean the story. (laughs) Welcome to Day Night. This is part two of our session zeros. I have uh, Will Mayer here, normally our game mom, but tonight I'm the game mom. So he plays. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your character. Um, I'm Welby Goodfortune, who is a ghostwise affling. Uh, he's a knowledge cleric. I don't know if we're delivering backstory or any of nope, that. But that's what we're doing today. Yeah, he's just kind of a a little fella. Um, I don't know what else I want to say about him until we get into things, but. Uh, should I describe what he's wearing or any of that stuff? Sure. Uh, he's got one of them ats with the flat brim around it, and it's on top of his uh, head wrap, which is the uh, headband of intellect. And he's got his curly hair sticking out from under the back of the wrap, studded leather vest with Andy pockets in it, and a few bobby pins tucked inside. Uh, I've got a handful of marbles in my pocket that I'll fiddle with absentmindedly from time to time, and uh, a really loose shirt with fluffy sleeves that's just god-awful colors. It's like a salmon and teal paisley, but I can't really tell. I just like the pattern. And uh, I wear boots, even though I'm an affling from the city, and there's all manner of things you don't want to be stepping in, so I got kind of accustomed to doing that. That's, That's about it. All right. You ready to get going? Um, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> work. There's always work to be done. Work kept you alive as a child, found you an opportunity in a circus troupe, and after all that fell apart and eventually led you here to the human city of Eichnir. Sure, it's not great here, but there's always work, honest and otherwise. You've always been a man to appreciate the value of work. In fact, work is what leads you here today in this back alley to meet up with someone to talk about work. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, Welby, your contact, Resta says. He's human, like everybody else in this blasted city. Not a tall man, but taller than you. He's got a shabby suit and a bowler-style top hat on with an old dingy handkerchief peeking out from his coat pocket. And like all humans, he's arrogant to a fault when it comes to meetings with folks he feels better than, like you. (laughs) His mousy face splits into a smile. Fancy meeting you here in this back alley. What's been keeping you away for so long? Do you say his name is Resta or Grestus? Grestus. G-R-E-S-T-U-S. Okay. 
well, uh, Grestus, you know, I've got other work to do from time to time, right? I've got to make a living. Well, you actually answered. I uh, was just trying to be nice. But never mind all that. I've got a job for you. A job yeah. that'll keep you in fancy for some time, if I'm right. That's why I'm talking to you, ain't it? That's right. These two out-of-towners are over at the Silver Tongue, near the Merchant Gate. Been spreading around a lot of coin, on a lot of legs from what I'm told. Some kind of royals from down in Chiron, I, I think. And now, they've gone and got themselves killed. But the guards haven't even cleaned out their room yet. So all that shiny they've been using is just sitting there. I mean, it's downright gift-wrapped, if you ask me. What you say, old ghosty? You can have it for my usual 40% finder's fee. What you say? Well, the 40%'s all right. But the ghosty ain't, and you know that. <laughs> oh, I'm just ribbing you. Right. If you keep it up, it will cost you, and it'll be 35 on your finder's fee. <laughs> well, we wouldn't want to go and ruin such a pleasant relationship now, would we? It's business. Nothing pleasant about it. But you've got a deal. All right, see you in a bit. Of course you accept it. How could you not? Work's been tight lately, on both sides of the law. The guard's been throwing folks in the hole for some of the lightest infractions you've ever seen. The High Hills new community cleaning initiatives. All it's done is make the black market more dangerous and make honest work even harder to find. So when a job comes up, you take it. You leave for the brothel within the hour and make it within another. Usually this side of the merchant gate is hard to get through unless you've got business in the mining district. The captain here is an old friend. You slip him some of the last of your coin to get through. You see the establishment, not gaudy on the outside, just a simple uh, stone work, um, gray stone work uh, establishment with a simple shingle saying, you know, the silver tongue on the front of it. You know from experience that poor folks go in the front where the cheap girls are, but the, uh, the rich snobs who don't want to be known they're going, go in the back. What do you do? Um, all right. So, uh, have I been in this place before? Yeah. All right. We um, won't say why. Sure. Uh, so, what do I know about the, you say, like, the rich folk go in the back? Like, is it completely separate, or is it all connected as it kind of goes up to the next floor or it's anything a, like it's that? It's a, um, it's all in one building. Like, it's not a little anti-chamber or anything, but the, there's, it's kind of like a bar. You know, you, you go in the front, that's where most of the stuff is, but also you can go back through the kitchen to go mm -hmm. towards the back exit. Similar. This is not kitchen, but um, you can come in the back door and still access the rooms without really having people see you going in on the front street. Uh, i probably go in the... Mm, I'll have a look around to see if anybody's watching the front door. Okay. Uh, that's where you said the poor folks go, right? Mm -hmm. the, the front door. And if it looks like the coast is clear in terms of anybody watching the, the door from the street, like any of the extra guards that have been around, mm -hmm. uh, then I'll just go in that way. Make a perception check for me. I DM all the time. I am so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I never DM, and the last time I did, I killed you. I'm so nervous. <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's, that's 20. Okay. You look around, 
you know, really taking a second to, to, to gauge everybody. It's a busy market. No one's really paying much attention except for, you know, trying to hawk their wares. There's a, um, an ore uh, trade center. I don't know what to call it. Like, you know, you, you, you take your ore to a place, you try to sell it for coin. Sure. It's one of those a little further down. That's where most of the crowd is. It's really not a lot of people right in front of the, uh, the, the brothel. So you look, you, I'll probably just go in the in the front then. Okay. Uh, as you go in, you are greeted by the madame, an older human woman who still has kept her figure despite her years. And uh, over in the corner of the room, you see two big—they're human, but they're 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 jacked uh, bouncers. Um, each one of them has a, a girl on his arm. They're clearly more brawn than brains, but you still wouldn't want to get on their bad side. So the madame speaks up. You got coin, dearie. Yeah, I've got coin. All right, uh, going rates one gold an hour. Anything special has special rates. I'm very traditional. But here, take two gold, because I'm not the fastest around, am I? <laughs> all right, dearie. So all the girls line up in no discernible order. Some are okay. Most are tired and kind of strung out with too much makeup hiding the deep bags under their eyes. These are our girls. Uh, which one will you be fancying today? Um, Probably shouldn't have picked Mrs. Doubtfire for this voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm picturing that now. Uh, let's see. Do I know anybody in here or any of the girls? Or? You try not to. Okay. Not uh, in this part of town anyways. I'll probably just uh, look them over and see who looks like they've had a bath recently, maybe the most recently. Okay. And uh, uh, how about uh, that was how about her? Oh, how about? Sorry, <laughs> I heard how about. Uh, I was waiting for the end <laughs> no, of the sentence. How about? Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, she's fine, darling. All right. What's your name, sweetheart? Um, I'm ja- Jasmine. All right, sir. If you please. That's nice. <laughs> um, well. Uh, you've uh, a room upstairs. Yes, sir. We have many. All right. How about a drink first? Okay. She takes you over to the bar. The bouncers are still sitting right there. One of them, as you get closer, you realize he's probably not entirely human. There's probably some orc in his lineage. He kind of looks you over. (laughs) The bouncer. uh, Not the bouncer. I'm sorry. The bartender uh, comes over with a, a mug of something mm-hmm. I'll be too silver um right here you are uh, so that's I hand it over and taste whatever it is it's alcohol mm-hmm. that's about the best that can be said for it <coughs> real good stuff um you want one dear oh um no, no, thank you. But you notice she's starting to play her fingers down your arm and right, right. See right. If she can work a work her hands down inside your jacket there. No, um, we we'll save that, you know, until we get upstairs. Right, I'm a little shy, so. Oh, I understand. You don't have to be shy with me, though. All right. Um, I finished the drink, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, let's see about that room then, right? Right this way. Sure. So I let her go first. Okay. Um, she leads you through the uh, 
like the main arch going from the lobby back into the rooms. You notice there there are doors, but none of them really look like they have locks on them. Seems like kind of a institutional policy kind of thing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you hear things happening. Sure. It's about as descriptive as we'll oh, get. I'm very perceptive. <laughs> uh, you said you wanted uh, a room on the upper floor? Um, yeah, so what... Uh, I'm trying to be on the same floor where I think maybe some of the wealthier people would be mm-hmm. if I know where that, you know, because I'd like to get closer to that room. Um, so Make a persuasion check, I guess. It's sure. not going to be a real high DC because she's just trying to get you in and out. All right. Um, that's really good. So 23. Okay. She takes you up the stairs. So Don't worry. I won't 19. make you roll athletics. Good. And uh, she takes you up to, there's only three floors on this place. All right. And as she's walking you down the hallway, go ahead and make another perception check for me. That's good, too. That's an 18 plus, uh, that's a 23. You notice on one of the doors, the third one from the left, as you hit the top of the stairs, there's a little bit of, like, charred wood at the top of the door. So she keeps leading you down. To That's the, on one of the bedrooms? Yes. Okay. So she leads you down to uh, one of the other rooms. And uh, All right. So when we go inside, uh, I want to do a quick look around the room just to see what is in it, how big the rooms are, if they have any windows, um, any amenities in the room or anything like that. There, it's it's a decent room. Um, it's got its own little privy chamber off to the side. Um, simple couches. It's not really a bed per se, but there's a, a, a big enough area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually not that bad, all things considered. Silks. Um, there is a window, but you're on the third floor. Yep. And as far as amenities goes, there are some uh, oils. I guess. Okay. I was kind of wondering about uh, if there was a privy in the in the rooms or yeah, not. There is a privy. Okay. So uh, simple chamber pot kind of deal. Got it. Uh, is there any washstand or anything like that? Or yeah, inside the privy, there's a, a basin with some water in it. Looks like it's made out of silver. Right. Okay. Uh, so I say. Um, why don't you uh, go ahead and lie down? I'm just going to uh, splash a bit of water on my face. Make sure, you know, I'm good and awake. All right. She uh, lays down on one of the couches, kind of, kind of, you know, <laughs> don't <do> reclines <laughs> and, and looks at you. All right. Um, I'm going to go over and fiddle with the uh, water jug. Okay. And spill it. She starts when the water hits the floor. Oh, that's, that's okay. Um. We can we can worry about that after. Right, I um you know I feel uh, I've been running around, so I feel a little bit of the grime of the street, and I don't think I'm going to really be able to focus uh, quite right. So just uh, if you want to go ahead and get started, I'll uh, go fill it up, and I'll be right back. Okay, darling. All right. So I'm going to grab the uh, pitcher and. I'm guessing there's not, like, a way I can fill it in the room and take it no. out into it the was, hall. It was pre-filled. Yeah. You're guessing they, they have, like, a cistern probably down on the bottom floor? I'm just looking for an excuse to get out of the room. Right. So, uh, I'll... God. I know. I'm shaking. 
Yeah. I was doing the same thing when, I, when <clears> we started the, the the first session with Amy. I was like having to calm down so I could read my lines. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, sure. That's weird. I again for our listeners, I haven't DM'd in twenty years. <laughs> this is this is weird <clears> for me. All right, so I want to go back out, look up and down the hall, uh-huh. see if anybody's walking around, moving from room to room. No, everybody's in their rooms. Uh, I probably, I guess, since I don't have any better ideas, uh, I'll head toward the room where you said there was something up with the, like a burn mark. Okay. And see if it's locked or anything. Okay. Once again, hotel policy, no, no, not hotel, brothel policy, no locks on the doors. Uh, the girls need to be able to get out if there's a bad situation. So okay. it opens right up. I'll look around. Does this look like uh, there's any... I don't know, goodies laying around or you can tell immediately the tip was not wrong. There's couches have been knocked around, uh, chairs have fallen over, one of the bookshelves in the side of the room has got stuff off of it, and you can see a few blood spot blood spots on the uh on the floor, but the thing to really notice is that this room has been burned recently. And uh they managed to get the fire out before it consumed the whole brothel, but something happened in here. And uh, make another perception check for me. That's good, too. Mm, 19. Okay. Sitting right there on the couch. These out-of-towners are morons. Sitting right there on the couch is a purse. Decent size. Um, They look like they weren't even trying to hide their pretty. You're starting to feel a little bit better about this. Someone was going to take all that coin away eventually. Either it's you the guards will just pocket it or some poor working girl who will fritter it away on dust to uh, dull her professional woes away. So what would you like to do? I'm going to reach into my pocket. Okay. I'm going to pull out two marbles. Okay. As I cast uh, augury, not as a ritual, um, since I, so I can do it right away. Um, it still takes a minute. But kind of the idea I have is these marbles might be all different colors, but I just see kind of in shades of gray. So white marbles are good. Those are for wheel. And black marbles are for woe. And the gray marbles are kind of for nothing. Mm-hmm. And the you know the way augury works is... Uh, By casting gem inlaid sticks, rolling dragon bones, laying out ornate cards, or employing some other divining tool, you receive an omen from an otherworldly entity about the results of a specific course of action that you plan to take within the next 30 minutes. The GM chooses from the following possible omens. Wheel for good results, woe for bad results, both wheel and woe, or nothing for results that are not especially good or bad. Um, the spell doesn't take into account any possible circumstances that may change the outcome. Um, if I cast the spell more than two or more times before completing my next long rest, there's a cumulative 25% chance uh, after casting the first that I will get a random reading. So I want to pull them out, um, which is just something I kind of do out of superstition more than anything, mm-hmm. and see... Uh, disturbing anything in this room provide wheel or woe. Okay, so you, you roll your marbles. Yeah, I just pull them out. Oh, okay. I randomly pull out oh, two I marbles see to see 
if I get white ones are good and black ones are bad? There are more white ones than black ones. Okay. So wheel and woe, but and you get you get sort of a sense that it's a little bit more difficult in here because bad things have happened in this room. Right. But as far as your your specific course of action, more more wheel. All right. So that's a spell slot. Uh so I say well, I guess you take the bad with the good, don't you? And I go over and uh pick up the purse and start looking uh, a little more closely around the room. I don't even look in the purse right away. I just pocket it. Okay. And what are you looking for in the room? Uh, pretty much anything that I could trade for uh, trade for a few bucks jewelry. Um, I'm always looking for interesting books, too, just as a, um, a side note, not necessarily just for this quest. Um, so probably mostly that jewelry, uh, a nice cane or you know uh, some more pretty. expensive clothes yeah anything that looks valuable make an investigation check for me mm, 13 okay um you find some nice silks uh once again they look like they belong to the brothel kind of like stealing the towels kind of thing if you want yeah to. i don't think i'll mess with those then okay um, but while you're standing there looking around, you hear, what are you doing? Do I know who is It's talking? the girl that you uh, you left in the room. She's standing in the doorway behind you. Right, fetching another thing of water from this room since it's not in use. I don't think you're supposed to be in here. I've paid me coin. It don't matter what room we're in, does it? Why don't you come on in? Roll a persuasion check. All right. Uh... Ooh, <laughs> I am proficient, so that's an eight. <laughs> no, she she has a look on her face like she probably saw the, at least the after effects, if not the what happened in here. Mm-hmm. And she definitely does not want to come in here. She goes, I, I need, you shouldn't be in here. And then she just screams. Nicholas! All right. Um, I am going to do my best attempt at holdout uh, to try and stash this uh, purse that I took. Okay. And uh, after that, what is that an action? Uh, I don't. It's not a real thing. Oh, okay. Uh, holdout was derps. Uh, That's right. I That's usually roll sleight of hand for that. But all right. Um, yeah, let's do sleight of hand. See how good I can hide it. That's not great either. Uh, that's a nine. Okay. In uh, the time you're taking to find a, a place to hide it, um, you hear heavy thudding footfalls coming up the stairs. I will continue with my my pitcher toward the washstand of this room and wait until it seems like anybody comes upstairs. Okay. And whenever they seem to head to the door, I'll pick up the other uh, pitcher and kind of pour half of it into mine. So here come the two bouncers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're standing. The, the girl hasn't left. She's been watching you the whole time. Um, by the way, so you did a sleight of hand check. What did you roll? I'm sorry? A nine. Nine? Okay. Yeah, she rolled a 16. So mm-hmm. she definitely saw you hide it. Okay. 
Um, and she, she points. She goes, he's got something he's not supposed to have. And the two bouncers just look at you. Come on, then. Um, what am I not supposed to have? I've got the, the water here. Um, I spilled it in the room and I came here it's to get another belt. picture. That's not the first time somebody said that. <laughs> Look, just because I'm hung a little bit bigger than most guards, halflings doesn't mean I'm not supposed to have it. The guards start coming in the room clearly in an aggressive <laughs> way. They're going to try to take you. Uh, I'm going to... Put the pictures, put the picture down, and appear very affronted, and say, "Look, I've paid me coin just like any big man would have. All I wanted was to fill up me picture so that I could go clean up a little bit before the act was done." Yeah, that's not the way we work here, pal. Grill says you go, you go. Now, what do you have in your belt? Lots of things, and I kind of move the. Pull the vest up and show. I always carry me cook's kit. Are we not supposed to have knives in here? I'm sorry. And I hand, take two of the knives out that are in my belt and hand them by holding the blades, handle first toward the guards. Okay. Guard reaches out, tries to take it. I'm assuming this is, are you? Are you... No, I'm just handing him oh, okay. the, well, he the takes blades. It. He okay. happily takes it. Okay. That's real nice. Jasmine, what did he have? He had a... I cast Suggestion with Silent Speech, which is a a Ghostwise Halfling thing. Uh Um, And the Suggestion, which will be my second spell slot. So I'm going to cast Suggestion on her. Okay. Do you want me to read that or... It's long. It's 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 on two cards. It's a wisdom save, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be totally upfront and honest. I didn't actually have an NPC for the bar girl because I didn't expect well, yeah. her to be anything other than a throwaway. Uh, you just have to come up with a random wisdom bonus, I guess. Yeah. I have a spell save of uh, 16. Three. <laughs> okay. She does not make her save. Uh, so for my sentence here uh i'm gonna suggest that she should just say that she was scared when she saw the knives not that i brandished them but just when they peeked out um and if she does i'll share the spoils and i'm gonna say this with my uh ghost wise silent speech ability so it's not out loud where the um guards can hear it obviously okay so she kind of does a whole southern bell, has the vapors swoon kind of thing, and then says pretty much what you wanted her to say, that she just got scared when she saw the knives. Okay. And I'll say to the guard to kind of follow that up, look, um, I did another spell, or are you just making like a general persuasion? No, that's... Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, it was a spell for her. Right. Not no, I'm talking them. about the guard. Yeah. I'll just say... Um, 
look, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to bring him. A small fella's got to be careful, you understand. And I'm also a cook. These are tools of the trade. You can see I've got pots. I've got I've got my whole kit. Um, I didn't mean nothing by it, but if she wants me gone, I'll go. Well, this room is, is entirely off limits anyways. You're going to go anyways. So they go ahead and one takes takes you by one arm, the other one takes you by the other, and they start leading you out. All right, I, I can walk, but all right. So they uh, they walk you downstairs, and when you get down to the bottom, the how long does suggestion last? Is it a permanent effect? It's concentration for up to eight hours. Eight hours, okay. That's definitely longer than it takes <laughs> you to get down to the bottom floor. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so they take you down. The 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 madam kind of like, what was all that noise, dearie? As I'm leaving her so that uh, I could actually share something from it, I'll give her just a location that I know in the city and a time okay. through the silent speech. Okay. Um, and that will be in a couple hours, like not a long time, so that it's still within the range. Okay. What's all this in the eddy? Me the, or the, the dam? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um... See, I was carrying me cook's kit, and the girl got a little scared when I bent over and she saw the handle on one of my knives. <laughs> well, they go ahead and they drag you out, and uh, they kind of throw you, you know, away from the establishment and says, I think you're done here. All right, um, can I have me kit? No. Piss off. Well, you won't have me business here anymore. <laughs> and I'll uh, kind of adjust my clothes and brush off any of the junk that I got from them tossing me in the street. I guess I've got to refill my kit somewhere else. I'm going to get a, a good uh, ways away from the uh, uh, establishment. Are you heading back out of the merchant district? Um. Yeah, where where am I supposed to meet up with this fence, or when did we set up it's any kind of same alley that you went in through the first time? Uh, all right, I'll probably hang out for a little bit and go and see if I can buy a couple of uh, excuse me, some chef's knives to replace what I lost. Okay, see if I can find any of them in the merchants uh, district. We'll just price those. You find a shop easily enough. It's the merchants district. That's what it's here for. Um, We'll go ahead and price those out. It's just what a normal like dagger. Costs. Yeah, that's what I had. Yeah. They were daggers that I had bought. Right. Uh, I don't know what they cost, but we can figure that out later. It's okay. not a big deal. All right. Uh, buy daggers. All right, and uh, after that, I guess I'll wait around because I probably would have told her someplace not too far. Okay. And I'll head to uh, that spot that I told her, which would probably be, if I know this area, someplace where I can get kind of down an alley and there's something hopefully big enough that I can kind of stand behind and uh, well, my whole three foot Yeah, you're self. short. I'm sure you can find something. Yeah. So I'll do that. All and right. while I'm waiting, I'll look through the, uh, the purse I nabbed. Okay. You find a thousand gold minus whatever you spent on your... Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, your, your new dagger slash cooking knives. Okay, I will take out um, 50. Okay. And I will put the rest, this time I'll take a little bit of time and try and 
uh, maybe hide it in my boots or something like that. See okay. if I can. But a thousand's pretty tough, so <laughs> I'll see if I can hide it where I can anyway. All right. Maybe in a couple different places. So if somebody finds yeah, it, was, some it was a it, pretty big purse. Maybe was, they don't find it all. It was impressive that they have for spending that much coin. Okay. So uh, and I'll wait for her if she shows up. A couple hours later, she shows up. I'm guessing it's just an exchange of money. Yeah, I'm gonna pass her the fifty gold that I had taken out. Okay. She looks very appreciative. She kind of you know traces under your chin a little bit as a, as a way of saying thank you and lets you know that if you ever want to spend any more. Just, you know, here's her. She doesn't stay at the brothel, but okay. you can always find out where she she's lives from there. I was going to say, uh, I don't think I'll be uh, headed back to that particular establishment. So how about just a nice goodbye, little lady? All right. <laughs> and uh, so are you trying to go back out into uh, the, the housing district where you had your contact? Yeah, I think that's probably what I'll do. Okay. So you go back to the merchant gate find your captain buddy it's amazing he's still there you thought he would have been off watch by now and um as you go up to him he says that the price has gone up as it yeah and uh here comes your contact out from behind him and says yeah that's right the price has gone up quite a bit hadn't it old ghosty i think now now i don't like that I understand inflation, but I've told you about the name. The name's Welby. Your captain friend just kind of looks at you. Hand it over. Well, all right. It was, the, the fee was uh, 40% of 500 No, no, no. Here's the thing. Price has gone up. Now you're going to be giving us the whole, pr- the whole pretty pinch, ain't you? Because see here, me and the captain, we know what you've been doing. You've got a 50-50 split here. Hand it over. What do you mean you know what I've been doing? Been acting better than me. Well, that's because I am better than you, ain't I? At this point, four guards come out from behind you. (laughs) Shit. They circle around you. Um, Go ahead ahead and take him. Now you can either roll initiative, or you can let this happen. Well, if you had... You all together, then maybe you're right. You are better than me. And I'll, uh, I'll dump out 500 gold uh, from out of my boots. Okay. And hopefully I still have some stash somewhere else. <laughs> you tell me. Did you have some stash somewhere else? I was saying I tried to stash it in a couple different places. And like I said, 40% of 500 gold. So I'm trying to fool them that that was what the take was. Make a, uh, make a deception check. I'm not good at those. That's a good roll. Uh, 16 plus 1. That's a 17. Roll the natural 20. <laughs> I'm shaking as much as I can out of the boots. 500 and something gold. Well, um, there it is. Your last payday from Well Be Good Fortune. They're going to take you. He rolled a natural 20 on his perception check. Well, I mean... Do I get any hint that they don't think that that's all of it? We'll say that Grestus uh, says, all right, there's your half cap. I'll take the rest off of what's on him. The, the, the rest? That's right. All right. Um, yeah, the rest, right. Um, I've got that, they, you know. They, 
they start to grapple you. They're yeah. going to put you in irons. I'm not going to try to fight. You're not going to uh, try to fight? Not that many. Okay. I know when I'm outnumbered. So they put you in chains, and the captain sort of kind of shrugs apologetically, but you understand work's been tight. This is the way things are these days. I'll just kind of try and pull my chains up and tip my hat and say, Catman. Sorry about this, but I'm sure you understand. Your loss. I was good at this. So they search you. They find the rest eventually. Uh, no cavity searches or anything like that. So if you had anything up there, then you're fine. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get that far in the brothel. <laughs> they take you down to the mine. They explain the situation to the guards there. All of your gear is taken. Your clothes are taken. You're left with... Can, can I do one thing when they try to take my gear? Sure. Could I try suggestion one more time? Be advised, you are probably a half a mile underground at this point. You're in a mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to make a suggestion... And there's, there's multiple guards, by the way. To, to the guard who's taking my things. Okay. Um, and I want to do the same... Uh, silent speech sort of thing. Okay. And I want him... Uh, what What are they trying to take? I guess I should ask. Are they going for... There's a couple things I'd be concerned about that would make me do this if they tried to take them. Okay. And that would be my headband and hat and the marbles in my pocket. Okay. Are they taking any of that stuff? This is pretty standard prisoner intake. They take all of your personal items. Yeah. So I'm going to try to make the suggestion that I'm a small fella. I'm not likely to do any harm with me toys. And um, I'm going to try to hang on to uh, my hat and marbles. Okay. So again, DC 16, right? Yeah. He rolled 10. Sure. Keep your hat and marbles. And I'm out of second level slots. Okay. Everything else is taken. You are basically in a kind of like a night robe looking thing at this point and you are thrown into a prison prison cell it's dark there is no torch light you hear the sound of distant picks hitting stone you hear rocks crumbling and you hear screaming from the other prisoners the screaming never seems to bring any relief to whoever is screaming all right i don't much like this place uh this is a a mine? A mine. Had I heard any stories of anybody who had come down here? Like, what's the... Like you, like um, at the beginning of the session, mm-hmm. uh, the High Hills new crime initiative, they are starting to basically throw all of your most basic offenders down here in the mine. Have I known anybody to come out? Not yet. Okay. Three weeks later. <laughs> okay. You've been fed. You've been given water. The thing that concerns you the most is the cold. You wake up after a hard night in the cold cell. You get the feeling that the guards are really just kind of done with you. The purse was taken away from you along with everything else you owned except for your hat and marbles, and you were tossed in here with just a few rags. You instinctively know that at your age, a few more nights like this, and maybe your luck will finally run out. Maybe that's the plan. Just bury old ghost-wise here in this cell and be done with them once and for all. Oh, please. Like, your luck has run out. You must not have a lot, have a lot of faith in me, huh? The Who, gods whose have, voice is this? This is in your head. I know. 
The gods have always communicated with you, but lately it's only been a few. We still got a use for you, old trinket. There's still a few flips of the coin, a few rolls of the dice before you're done here. You know this voice. It's been the most prominent in your head the last few weeks, especially now that you've been down here in this dark, cold cell with no other human contact. Sees I need a favor. A few of them, actually. But I'm willing to make it worth your while. I've watched you for a long time. Seen your act. Not great. (laughs) But you like games of chance almost as much as I do. But you know as well as I do that chance is what we make it. Few few clever contraptions, a bit of sleight of hand. But to those rubes, the games are pure magic, pure luck. And what I got for you, that ain't a game. I'll let you bend reality to your will, stretch the laws of probability and chance to your favor. But you owe me, Capiche. Um, is this the first I've heard of this from this god since I've been down here, or have I heard? You've typically gotten vague feelings from the gods before this would be the first time that you've gotten such a direct and open line of communication you think you're going crazy probably but this feels like how the gods have felt before okay do i get any sense on which one this is it's coming okay okay people these days they don't believe in luck or chance as much as they used to too much magic working to undo the fun in life they think they can mess with the luck of the draw that's my territory but in reality, you know they can't. All life is chance. You're born by chance. Live every day by chance, and when chance is done with you, you die. I need people believing in luck again. Need them knowing that their shot in life is decided by us, not their fancy hand-waving arcane gibbers. So I need you to show them the light, understand? Make sure they don't, you know, step under ladders, break mirrors, no black cats crossing their path. You're a cook, right? Throw some salt over that shoulder. Make me some converts. Old Forsetia could use some supporters again. You do this for me, and I'll make sure you're never out of luck, my friend. But you cross me. Well, it'd be a shame if luck turned against you. If a spring popped on that shield again. You got me? And the voice is gone. Right. So... I I heard you. Um Forsetia? Forsetter. Yeah. Forsetter? F O R S E T Y R. I'm close. I'm one letter off. Forsetter. Yeah, I I heard you. Um I don't know that I don't know that I'm the best uh, apostle for luck in this current situation. I'm going to reach into my pocket and spend the, the 10 minutes moving the marbles around to go for augury. And I'm going to go... While you're doing that... Okay. A few minutes later, the night chill is starting to close in, or at least what you assume is the night chill, because you have no idea what the sun looks like. It's almost unbearable. When suddenly, a second voice pops into your head. <clears throat> oh, yes. So this is suffering at at least one aspect of it. Fascinating. And you, you swear you hear scribbling, like pencil on notepad. Say there, do, do you mind turning over onto your stomach? I, I'd like to catalog that sensation as well. I, I must be. He doesn't even wait for you to answer. You just hear more scribbling. Must be dying. 
yeah, sure, fuck it. This is me on my stomach. Oh, well, fascinating. Yes, well, I, I also, I suppose my manners are a bit lax. You may refer to me, of course, as Seth Ogma. First cartographer of the forbidden knowledge, scribe of the gods, translator of the mundane to the divine. And unlike that other brutish lout who seems to be taking up residence in this shell, I do not require belief from you. Hold on. But the other fella, he just talked and then he left. So I've got a quick question. Yes. Did you say in this shell? Well, yes, of course. In this in the cell, you meant. You're beside me here. I really don't want to get bogged down with such trivialities. It doesn't seem... Go ahead. Okay. I do not require belief from you. On the contrary, my work is somewhat private. All that I do require from you is a small corner of your senses. And in return for that, and the occasional request for specific sensations, I will allow you the ability to channel my knowledge on other, more esoteric pursuits. Is this agreeable? Um, you feel what I feel, and you tell me things that I need to know. In so many words, yes. If you have need of a specific skill, simply beseech me, call me by name, Sathogma, and I will, of course, make it available to you. Right. I'm sure there's no catches or nothing, right? There never is. Well, like I said, there will be the small occasional request. Sensations, mostly. I understand an exchange of favors. Seth Ogma? Seth Ogma. Seth Ogma. All one word. It's got not, it. It's not, his na- first name's not Seth. I've got a okay. Seth. All right. <laughs> um, sure. I'm, I'm in. Jolly good. Particularly for the piece of knowledge on how I'd get out of here. Well, that's um, not really my department, you understand. But um, let us see what we can do here, and I will get back to you. Sure, because if you don't, the only sensations you're going to get are going to be cold, lonely, dark, unless I maybe do this. And death. Which would be fascinating. (laughs) If that's what you're looking for. But, you know, there's a lot of different things you might want to feel first. Yes, of course. That's why I'm treating you like an investment. Right. Right. Good. Jolly good. I believe we have an accord. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to return to my work. Do try to endure this for research sake, that is. Sure thing. Do you want to try to keep going in your ritual or start over again? Or? I'd have to start over, okay. I think, at this point. I'm still probably absentmindedly spinning the, the marbles, which I've probably been doing most of the weeks you said that I was here. Right. Um, and just pulling probably dark after dark marble out of this place. Prognosis is not good. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say, well, uh, let's see how this is going to go. And I'm going to reach in and perform the ritual and try to pull it. Warmth begins to flood through your body. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I have spell slots back. I could just cast it. No, Mm -hmm. it's still a minute. Go ahead. (laughs) Warmth. (laughs) Warmth begins to flood through your body. It's sourced. You're not exactly sure. Maybe it's uh, some sort of volcanic bliss, blissful mercy that's coming to take you away from this cold. Maybe it's the sun shining on the side of the mountain. That no, I'm dying. <laughs> what? No, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it is, you feel one more voice come into the back of your mind. Faithless one, I, Dimatas, have need of you. 
I know that your pain these years has been great, and fate and chance have misused you. But chance and fate is bringing you another opportunity. And I would see that you make the most of it. Soon you will be freed. We have made it so. You will be given a mission and the chance for another family. I pray thee, do not squander this faithless one. He definitely perks up like when he hears family. Um, you sound more um, reasonable. Make a history check. All right. I'm good at those. No, I'm not. That is a six. Okay. <laughs> you have a vague memory of this feeling that this voice is bringing you. And the only time you can remember it is when you threw the dagger into her. There was something that tried to give you a bit of warm promise, but in your pain, you rejected it. And that's the last time you felt it. Hmm. Um, do I still feel it? You still, she, she's still there. She's still with you. Um, I'm just going to say the others, the, uh, just don't go so fast. I'm here. It's warm now. I know. Am I dying? Why don't you pull out a marble and tell me? All right. I'll do that. It's white. All right. What, what is it that you want? I want you to be the best version of yourself, Welby. I want you to help people again. I want you to have faith that even in the darkest days, when work seems sparse and those around you are leaving, that all is not lost. That you can still be a force for good. And that knowledge, while important, is to be used for the betterment of those around you, not to gain advantage over them. Right, but what's your angle? She laughs. Welby, you're about to be given the greatest gift of your life, another chance. We will be watching you, keeping close tabs on you. It will be up to you to protect those that we put into your responsibility. If you succeed, a life can be yours again. If you fail, the gods themselves will be done with you. There will be no more second chances, and your debts will remain on the ledger in this life and the next. Do your best. Be the best you can be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All, all right. Are you ready? I think so. And with that, the voice fades. But you hear another sound. And as the warmth slowly drains out of your belly with Demetas' departure, you hear the voice of a young man. Stuff the marble back into my pocket real quick. Uh, where's the... Oh, here he is. Sir, 
Sir? It's time to go. Yeah, it is. Right. Duke Greycastle has need of you. Sure he does. Right. Yeah, I'm expecting this call. Uh, of course. Uh, may this I, took long enough. May I see your hands, please? Yeah, I mean, they look like yours, but smaller. He, put, go, he goes ahead and puts new manacles on you. Oh. And uh, they lead you out of the cell. Thanks for sharing our date night with us and exploring a whole new world together. We'll see you again next week. Until then, keep in touch by following us on Twitter at Date Night Podcast or visiting datenightpodcast.com. 